0: Undeath, a manual, part 4 of 5, do not just skip to this section, is copyright 2023 by Laszlo Salieri for the House of Forbidden Knowledge. All rights reserved. Do not
1: just skip to this section. At this point you'll want to refer back to your answers to the questions in the Questions of Optimal Undead Existence section and possibly revise them based on what you've heard so far about the range of types of undead existence. The kinds of things that can go wrong, and the difficulties you may experience finding a place to establish a base of operations. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you've just flipped to this section without any knowledge or preparation, or perhaps some joker who does not have your well being as a priority removed the previous sections and handed this to you to see what you would do with it. If this is the place where your copy of this document starts, then the person who gave it to you is not your friend. If they remove this paragraph as well, then they are truly not your friend. Core Curriculum If you are looking to extend your life by means beyond the merely medical, then you will need a set of skills common to all of the various paths. They are briefly sketched as follows, but don't let the brevity of these statements fool you with respect to the amount of work that will be required. Each step could entail months or years of effort. In no particular order, you will need to learn to dream and to remember your dreams. Master lucid dreaming, but keep in mind that lucid dreams don't count as restful sleep. Schedule actual rest so as not to weaken yourself when you should be building your strength. But also, Exhaust yourself in every way possible a number of times while you are still anchored to a relatively healthy body so you can establish consciously what it feels like and how to cope with it in situations when utter exhaustion is not an existential danger. Because eventually it will be. Become intimately familiar with all of the parts, physical and otherwise, of a functioning self-aware entity. Here I am not just talking about the body and mind so I will further break this down. Study anatomy and human physiology as if it were a foreign object to which you are being introduced for the first time. Understand it as if you are having to explain it to an alien intellect to whom a physical body made of meat is a ridiculous and completely unfamiliar concept. Using this same approach, study the physiologies of a number of different kinds of organisms of every kingdom and phylum and the stranger branches of taxonomy particularly that of extremophiles understand that you are looking to derive how the physiology of non-corporeal creatures and the entire ecology in which they are embedded must work by analogy for this course of study you will have to study both living and dead organisms and in a number of cases carefully observe the transition from one state to the other and back in such cases where the transition seems to be reversible Understand intimately the structures of biomechanics for those creatures with exoskeletons, those with endoskeletons, those without skeletons, and amorphous single-celled creatures. Understand the processes of nutrition, of energy conversion and storage and release, of waste collection and expulsion, of maintenance and repair, of immunity and self-defense at every scale. Concentrate somewhat on mental physiology and neurological function. If this sounds like you should possibly just be getting a degree in biology or medicine, well, you should consider it if you have the means and time. Speaking of time, now is a good time for you to notice that planning for a healthy and vigorous afterlife shouldn't wait until you are in your final years. You will need concentration, vigor, and stamina. So if you do not have your own, you may be forced to borrow somebody else's. Once you have progressed in these studies, you should be in a position to construct your dream body and start building its capabilities. You should understand all of its elements in terms of sensory organs and movement and self-propulsion, energy storage and processing, the entire suite of parabiological functions, immunity and self-repair, parneurology, etc. The closer it is to your physical body, the more familiar it will be for you to wear, but feel free to exercise your imagination. You will be able to make modifications, but understand that true attachment to it involves familiarity. Make it your own. Study the raw nature of the worlds you visit when you dream. The substance of dreaming is indeed a substance, and it is every bit as complicated as the matter to which you are accustomed. All ecologies feed on flows. At the base of the food web, they typically do so by being anchored, by resisting the flow and by grounding what is not required and cannot be consumed into the surroundings, which requires the function of a, locally, physical form and, at least, a minimally relevant shadow. In order to thrive, your spiritual body will need to find a place in that ecological web, as a grazer or a hunter or a parasite. In the meanwhile, your spiritual body can feed from you via the connection to your physical form, but this is not ideal, just like you can survive. In theory, on the short term, by drinking sparingly of your own urine and chilling the vapor you exhale and drinking the condensed water and nibbling on the flesh of your least favorite limbs. Consider this an emergency strategy. In any case, a spiritual body will gradually begin to have substance in your dreams and, in exchange for the risk of being injured, it can also affect others and the environment there in a more direct way than you would be able to in a dream. If your spiritual form lacks robustness in the par sector, you will not be able to have the critical engine of your mind, your personality, your memories, your volition, your empathy, your discretion, and all of the other associated processes form strong attachments to it. Also, absolutely do not skimp on senses and sensory processing. Study these elements in detail, these processes that you would like to maintain and facilitate. Anything you forget, once you have made the complete transition to inhabiting your spiritual body, will indeed be forgotten. It will float away forever. If you still have a physical body, there is a good chance that any part you have forgotten will have remained attached to the body, which will be handy for analyzing it so you can bring it along on your next attempt. You must understand the concept of shadow. So you will experiment with prying the shadows off of other things both inert and living, to understand the attachment. You will need to experiment with strengthening and deliberately weakening your own shadow. You can learn the technique of withstanding more damage by strengthening your shadow, or of avoiding physical destruction in one realm or another by ditching your shadow in whole or in part at the right moment, though recovering it again afterward can be a huge problem if you have let go of it entirely you must learn the full suite of mundane and esoteric aspects of having a name. In the most general case, a name is something you distribute to others so that they may address you and obtain your attention. Part of your name is your physical appearance and your presence in a location, or, more specifically, the knowledge of such. Your name and the reputation of your name is as much a part of you as anything else. There are advantages to a strong name as much as there are advantages to a weak one with some careful preparation you may cultivate a selection of names with various properties that you can exploit at whim be careful who you allow to have access to any of your names it is probably best that no one has access to more than one at a time you will never have access to the abilities of a strong name unless you allow one to grow in public but also As with almost all of the parts we have been discussing so far, names can be stolen or bartered. Study of all of the arts I've mentioned up to now is merely preliminary. You need this knowledge and these skills to be able to survive for any length of time without your body so that you can hold yourself together during a lengthy and complicated transition. If you do not have these skills, someone else must hold you together. If you do not have these skills... How will you know if the person you have contracted for help has any actual skills themselves? In order to be perfectly sure, you must study to the point where you probably wouldn't
0: need help anyway. Choose your destiny,
1: reincarnation. Up to this point in the list, the requirements for study and practice are largely the same for any path beyond simple life extension. If you are fine with reincarnation, your skills, other than a good deal of patience, are largely complete. Once you can exist indefinitely without a body, you can simply claim a newish one and move in, provided it isn't defended. You may be surprised how many infants are defended, which is to say already claimed by an ancestor or another prospective occupant, even though the claimant may not have the skills to imprint their memories or personality on the developing mind. Sometimes the reflex to latch on is strong and might make your attempt to claim the infant of your choice a struggle. You might even win handily, but you might also suffer damage that would be difficult to repair. Seriously, choose your battles with care, especially if it's your first. Choose your destiny, haunt the hidden places. Likewise, if your goal is to saunter off into the hidden places or establish yourself as a permanent fixture in the human world-adjacent dreamscape, I still cannot recommend enough that you make the effort to ensure that you will be welcomed there by the indigenous people and creatures who are already there. The dream polities aren't all wastelands and wildernesses. They are sophisticated civilizations and have extensive treaties to help each other with troublesome invaders choose your destiny, serial incarnation. If your goal is to dislodge the animating spirit of a currently intact living being and assume control and ownership of that body, you are going to need to learn how to fight. Not only fight, but also learn how to strip away the parts of another living being in the correct order without doing so much damage that it prevents the body from being a candidate for your own spirit to attach to solidly. Fighting strategy can be complicated and no fight ever goes according to plan, but optimally, the primary target should be the center of executive function, also known as the volition, and the attack should come as a surprise. This kind of attack is known as pithing after the technique of damaging the upper spinal cord of an animal to paralyze it for vivisection. In reality, at least in humans, the seat of executive function is in the frontal lobe, not the spinal column. But to be clear, you should do no permanent damage to either the frontal lobe or the spinal column. Do not literally pith a body you wish to keep healthy. Save literal pithing for a quick organ harvest or perhaps making a temporary marionette for your amusement. While the body is catatonic or has a bout of paralysis with respect to making the next decision or possibly even suffers a seizure, You should be able to disconnect the seat problem-solving and cleverness, and then the personality and memories complex and the seat of empathy. It is up to you whether to try to make a complete non-corporeal bundle from these parts and attach it to something so it doesn't immediately dissipate. As someone with experience, I recommend that you preserve as much as you can of your victim and anchor it all to something inert that you prepared beforehand. The reason for doing so is simple. You may need to interrogate the previous occupant for particulars related to the identity you have just stolen, account passwords and such. You may even wish to reassemble them if you trade up to a different body, especially if you just used their body to commit some sort of crime or terrible faux pas. It is traditional to leave them without memories, either partially or completely, upon reassembly. Choose your destiny animation slash reanimation for the purposes of animation of inanimate objects or reanimation of once living objects your work at this point will be nowhere near complete you will need to make thousands of little toys you will need to understand biomechanics to a much more vigorous degree than you do already most likely and learn some alternatives to living contractile tissue for musculature if you have a mechanical bent hydraulic or compressed air pistons might be a pleasant change from trying to work with meat, which is next to impossible to restore to any kind of coherent function once rigor mortis has done its damage and autolysis and anoxic decomposition has set in. So many early experiments basically end in jerky, and that's if you have the foresight to work in a low humidity environment. Not to get completely derailed by details that might not be relevant to you, Keep in mind that every meat-based mechanism is still going to require something that serves the function of a circulatory system to supply fuel and remove wastes, and all of the little subunits are going to require constant repair and replacement, and, frankly, it's best if that process is automatic. For example, you may wish to explore training or modifying myxogastria or dictyostelia to assist with critical tissue replacements particularly in the circulatory arena, and culturing compatible living-ish muscle tissue to graft where you need it for your plasmodia of choice to feed and clean up after. I provide this as one simple example of an open-ended set for long-lived cheap and easy-to-feed potential biological solutions for post-death biological animation. As an extra hint, something to serve the purposes of myelination will likely be your next barrier. It's the difference between slow zombies and fast zombies. If you're basically going to be wearing a zombie as your permanent attire, I highly recommend you work it out. As a source of independent animating spirits for your tests, I recommend rats. They are exceptionally clever, funny and warm, eager to please, easy to motivate, cheap to obtain, raise few eyebrows when purchased in bulk or bred at home and deserve a duration far longer than their typical two or three years. Their personalities shine through once you get to know them, so you can keep track of whether they are being unduly stressed or distressed by chemical imbalances or sensory or biomechanical malfunctions. With suitable care, your favorites can be transferred from project to project and extended indefinitely. It is important that you pay attention to comfort. If you intend to occupy such contrivances yourself in the long term, you don't want them to pinch anywhere or make annoying squeaking noises. For inanimate objects, the main issue is one of attachment. It's hardly ever as big an issue as you might think, however. Once a tool is familiar to you, your brain tends to consider it a portion of your anatomy when you use it, whether it's a hammer or an automobile. Spend even 20 minutes in roller skates or on a trampoline and then take note of how long it takes you to relearn how to walk like a normal person. This just means that it's quick for inanimate tools to become comfortable to use. The main concern is that your attachment to them needs to be solid enough that they count as an anchor for your various components to the extent that you can relax your conscious control of such things and snap back to it if you lose consciousness. This can be largely irrelevant if your spiritual body is enough of an anchor for all of your various non-corporeal innards, but without an active anchor in the prime physical plane of your choice, you can drift and get irretrievably lost any time you take a nap, lose focus, or lose consciousness for whatever reason. If an artifact is going to be your anchor, it can't be just a tool you would pick up and then put down again when you're done. It must be your home. It has to be where your compass would point if you were separated from it. You must even grow to love the things you hate about it. When you are building such an anchor, understand that this level of attachment to it is your end goal, whether it's mechanical or organic. This process should seem familiar, because it's the kind of attachment you once had to build to your spiritual body, assuming you successfully completed that assignment.
0: Shadowboxing One of
1: the defining characteristics of your physical form is its shadow. I've attempted to explain before that manipulations of one's shadow can modulate one's interactions with one's physical plane of choice. The shadow is invariably connected with the physical form, and in fact can be used to make something physical which entirely lacked genuine substance prior to your manipulations, just like stripping the shadow away can make one's form into the substance of dreams it's a relative thing weakening a shadow can make a physical form less substantial less visible and less memorable at the expense of weakening it with respect to esoteric flows strengthening an object's shadow can make normal things in the surroundings weaker and less substantial in comparison and therefore less capable of conveying impact or damage the costs of strengthening a shadow are high it's exhausting or rather, the energy expenditure to operate a body with a strengthened shadow is higher, because the ordinary fuel, whether biological, par-biological, or chemical, or what have you, is also less substantial in comparison. The shadow can be borrowed from elsewhere, permanently or temporarily. So having some way to dial up or dial down the strength of one's body's shadow is a useful way to defend it in a fight and to lend momentum to one's blows autonomous assistance. If you've already seen your own mind from the outside, then you already know that it is a committee, and a chaotic one at that. Decisions that affect the global organism are not made based on rational predictions of outcomes or strength of emotion or confidence in computation, but instead they are based on speed, regret, backtracking and a good deal of after-the-fact rationalizations where we attempt to explain to ourselves and our narrative-based black-box flight recorder that pretends to be episodic memory why the hell we did whatever it is we just did. That said, human behavior makes a hell of a lot more sense when we realize that the management of most of our physiologies are delegated to portions of our brains that do what they need to do with no need for, or even capacity for, oversight or management. Imagine a typical committee trying to decide on a base heart rate for your next set of upcoming actions, and you are unable to take any action or concentrate on anything else until the committee reaches a consensus. That's a nightmare scenario. The spiritual organ we've been referring to as your volition is by no means a singular voice. You can have dozens, thousands, each voice in charge of discrete little tasks. The same is true of all of those little pockets of animal cleverness that work so hard to solve the millions of little puzzles that we never think about, like getting your hand out of a tight pocket while wearing that ring with the bent prong. Altogether they make up the trait that gives us mental and physical dexterity or animal cunning. But the reason they work together so well is that they practice and practice and practice and never bother holding discussions or debates. Before your body is fully your own, whether organic or inanimate or spiritual, it will need to populate it with these little allies. Or, all of your various incorporated systems and pieces will need to be connected to those parts of your conglomerate mind that are used to just getting on with all of those repetitive and automatic tasks they're so good at and you're so used to ignoring. How you choose to approach this depends on whether you think you need a quick-release scenario, and, I guess... How worried you might be that your body might get up and do things without you if you're otherwise busy. You can either connect up your body more fully and work constantly, controlling things manually until your own mind finds ways to make them more automatic, or you can conscript, for example, a hive of animals that are used to working in concert for each system that needs coordinating. Or you can conscript the mind of a more complicated beast and try to keep it sane while you put it through a few months of intensive physical therapy, and it will be the thing that is in charge of reflexes, autonomous responses, and autonomic processes when you're otherwise occupied. I'd recommend a horse, but they're quite high-strung or possibly just insane. A predator seems cool but would be a choice you, and many of your neighbors, would soon regret. By experience, for purposes of general body management, I've settled on pigs for reasons of similarity to human physiology, general intelligence, and personability. They're quite clever and can be quite charming and loyal. If individual systems need tighter management and coordination, I have also had good luck with ants, bees, and previously mentioned mexigastria or dictyostelia slime molds. For inanimate organisms, the problems are generally solved by computer controls and significant numbers of independent processes governed by a self-teaching neural network core, provided you don't skimp on kinesthetic sensors and motion feedback. Gyroscopes, accelerometers, and spirit levels are your friends. Also training time. Do not skimp on training time
0: regeneration, and immunity.
1: Even after all the work, an undead animated body is just a body, and every body, no matter how sophisticated, can suffer accidents and experience worn-out parts and get attacked by other organisms that feel threatened by it or try to co-opt its machinery for their own purposes or try to break it down for food before you're done using it. Every living organism of my acquaintance has a number of different strategies to enact to repel invaders and repair injuries to some extent or another, although usually with the strategy of surviving just long enough to breed and not worry too much about what happens after that. For a creature with aims on an eternal existence, you will have no tolerance for short-term thinking. Nothing short of full regeneration will be acceptable for repairs. It will be up to you to determine how much of a parasite load you can handle, but a good rule of thumb is that your regeneration process should not be working full-time to repel pirates or work around freeloaders. For regeneration to work efficiently and accurately, it must have some kind of template of your optimal construction to work from. This is not the way life on Earth has evolved to handle things. Organisms on Earth are all emergent phenomena expressed as free replication of eukaryotic blastocyst cells according to the templates in their DNA, and literally every configuration that could possibly be achieved from unbridled replication of those cells in an acceptable environment is A-OK. This is why limbs don't regenerate and neural tissue doesn't grow back with memories and computational facilities intact and in metabolisms are allowed to self-destruct as soon as you're the age where it's likely that you've sired or borne a few litters. If we're working to our own designs, we don't have to put up with that kind of sloppiness. At the most optimal level, you'd just have a perfect copy of yourself someplace where no one could get at it but you updated via live stream with your memories and moods and experiences, and if something were to happen to the version of you walking around, then an autonomous process would, at the earliest opportunity, begin obtaining materials and enacting repairs until the mobile unit matched the stored template. If that seems somehow like an obscene duplication of resources, it is. The mind would have to be allowed to change in order to accept records of, or even generate, new thoughts and experiences but the rest of the physiology would have to be maintained in stasis toned and fueled without feeding or exercise or waste disposal this may well be impossible consider however a compressed homunculus format where some random expression may be acceptable for some tissues, so there is only a library of samples of types of tissues and perhaps more care taken for a faithful transcription of sensory and episodic memories in a format that does not require biological support to sustain it. You will want to experiment on a sentient creature other than yourself. If you're concerned with ethics, you may possibly find volunteers among terminal cases who would like to have their mental faculties preserved, even if in a limited format. And if they are unsatisfied and try to rat you out for being an undead vivisectionist, nobody will credit their testimony. If you have a sharp mind, perhaps you've already considered that a good set of reference templates for your autonomic regeneration facility could be an excellent solution for perpetual youth, and you'd be right. Part of the trickiness is in setting up the two-way updates in a way that can't be contaminated. New skills are learned in both the body and the mind and a miscalibrated regeneration process will happily erase new motor skills, new muscular development, and even new memories, or permit the corruption of your template with degenerative neuromotor illnesses and muscular injuries. In the end, the solution will always be to dial back the efficiency of the regeneration process. In my experience, that is, let regeneration repair traumatic damage and handle illnesses and other issues on a case-by-case basis. Once you have your cells and tissue sample library in your reference homunculus, however, it's the easiest thing to set a number of independent processes to continually skin your corpus for tissue, spores, hyphae, viruses, and bacteria, etc., that do not match to isolate, remove, Or destroy anything unusual. Make sure to leave room in the program for whatever it is that your helper organisms eat. But this will cut down tremendously on extraneous fungus and rot.
0: Self defense. I'm not
1: going to provide anything in the way of design tips for armor or weapons to build into the body that you choose to animate. All I can say is to study nature, not just here, but where you intend to set up shop. Evolution is a slow and shoddy approach to design, but it comes up with some fantastic ideas over tens of millions of years. Feel free to mind those. Personally, I favor a lightweight core and the versatility of weapons or armor I can design to go on top of it, and a lot of time wasted in training myself to use it. Time is what you wanted more of, right? Put it to use. You can't be happy living forever if you have no tolerance for tedium. I get exasperated by the nerds who think their body is nothing but a vehicle to carry their massive overstuffed brains around and then get all whiny when their neglected body doesn't look like it's going to last them forever, mostly because it reminds me of myself when I was young and stupid, and I'm still embarrassed. That said, bodies are useful. Bodies are critical to keep in top condition. Bodies are fun to operate and exploit, but also there are enormous sections of your brain that are evolved to do some serious underscore thinking underscore with your body that you are letting go to waste. Your body, even an artificial one, is one huge suite of sensors that tell you about everything going on in the physical world, half of which it can't notice unless it is in motion and employed in moving stuff around. This is stuff you should have realized when you were developing your spiritual body in exercises above, but I'm happy to try to pound it into your head here in case you missed it. The primary purpose of a body is to hold your innards in, sure, but it's also a probe for the universe with an astounding suite of sensors and your best tool for manipulation of the variables that lead to discovery. Give up on the idea that you can get anywhere by neglecting it. The absolute best defense your body will have is that you care about it and give it some thought. One of the other purposes of putting an animal spirit in autonomous control of automatic processes and such in your body is that you'll remember that your body ought to be a trusted friend and colleague, and that it will justifiably turn on you if you neglect it.
0: Stay tuned for the upcoming episode that completes this series. Part 5, finally, The Rite of Endless Night The House of Forbidden Knowledge thrives on your attention and starves without your support. Consider becoming a free or paid subscriber and sharing the news of our work.